0: I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Laura Hankin is the author of The Daydreams. And I last interviewed Laura. Right before the pandemic shutdown, I think her episode came out during lockdown, but anyway, this is her new book. Uh, Laura is an author, screenwriter, and performer who writes novels that you can read on a beach, but also for a book club. They include her latest book, The Daydreams, which we're talking about, which is one of the quote, best beach reads of 2023, according to Harper's Bazaar, Happy and You Know It, which was a book of the month and library read selection. That's what we talked about last time. And A Special Place for Women, as seen on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. She has some film and TV projects in development, and her musical comedy has been featured in outlets like the Washington Post and the New York Times. She is based in Washington, D.C., where she once fell off a treadmill twice in one day. Welcome, Laura. Thanks for coming back on Mom's and of Time to Read Books to discuss The Daydreams, a novel. It's such a pleasure to be back with you. So, okay. You were the author, one of three authors featured at the very first ever publicist event I was invited to. Really? Oh, you were such a pro. I had no idea it was your first time there. I think so. I think maybe I'd gone to like one or two lunches, but I was invited from Berkeley to come to like a cocktail party on this beautiful like rooftop. And I was like, that's so cool. They're inviting me. Of course I'm going to come, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I remember that event. It was so fun, and I'm so glad
1: that I got to do it before the world shut down. <laughs> totally. You're with Stephanie Robel,
0: weren't you? With Stephanie Robel, yeah, Stephanie Robel and Kathleen West. I think Kathleen West, that's right, that's right. Oh my gosh. And you're all like still writing. So there you go. Have you stayed in touch?
1: Yeah, we have. We message a lot on Instagram and actually Stephanie moved to New York. So I think when I'm up there for book events for the daydreams, I'm going to hopefully try to see her in
0: person again. Okay. And then we did a podcast, which we did like six months before your book came out. Do you remember that? It was like so ridiculously early I do. and we made some joke like, Oh, haha, like, you know, the world doesn't end. And then it was like COVID, right? Wasn't isn't that what happened?
1: Yeah. I think we recorded it in like late 2019. (laughs) And then, yeah, we single-handedly brought the pandemic upon us all. (laughs) It
0: it was us. It was us. So what was your pub date or month for that book? Happy, happy when you know it. It was May, 2020. It was right. Yeah.
1: So in some ways I was lucky in that, like, I really feel for the authors who had books coming out in like March, 2020, or even April, because at least by May, people had figured out a little bit how to pivot to zoom and instagram lives and stuff like that and people were a little bit beyond the initial like oh my god i'm panicking so much i can't pay attention to anything else <laughs> and people were just kind of bored and
0: wanted to read. So that yeah. was definitely Yeah, that, were, that was nice. That was a perk. Yeah. I,
2: can't,
0: I can't even joke, but it, no, it is good that, no, I mean, any renewed interest in writing is is great, but it is hard. I felt so much for the authors who had books coming out during that time, as you know, but anyway. And then you had another book that we didn't even get to talk about in between this book and that book. So we talked about Happy and You Know It, right? That's what it was yes. Happy and You Know It. And then A Special Place for Women. Um, maybe talk about both of those books. And then we'll get to this book. Can you do like a quick, like one sentence on your past over? We could talk (laughs) backlist. Absolutely. It's funny because now my head is so
1: full of the daydreams that I'm like, can I even whip out the little plot summary for the other ones? But I'm going to try. Okay. (laughs) So, Happy and You Know It is about a failed musician who takes a job singing for a play group of wealthy moms on the Upper East Side and then gets drawn into like their glamorous lives and their dark secrets.
0: I loved that book. That was awesome. It
1: was very fun. And it was like very much based on my time working as a playgroup musician. So he was writing it from that perspective. But it's funny because now... I'm actually pregnant now. (laughs) Oh my gosh, no way. That's (laughs) awesome. I'm like, do I dare reread the book (laughs) knowing what I know now? (laughs) I wonder
0: if I'll like it even more or be like, oh my God. I would wait wait until, you know, like year two or something and then go back and reread it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so a special place for women is about an undercover journalist who decides that she's going to infiltrate this rumored secret society for like the fanciest women in New York. And then, you know, she gets pulled in far deeper than she
0: had planned to excellent mm-hmm. did you get did you get to infiltrate any secret societies as research? Did anyone um, let you in? Did you? I don't think I can say. No. I
1: <laughs> no, I, I did not get invited into any secret societies, sadly, but I'm still open to it if anyone listening.
0: <laughs> secret society Maybe it. we should make our own is really what should happen. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll
1: talk about that after.
0: We- <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay. And that brings us to the daydreams. So now you can give your highly polished top of mind pitch for the daydreams. (laughs) Right. Anyone listening can see if this one sounds better.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I'm actually kind of impressed with how I did on the other two. You did great. You did great. Hats off. Thank you. So the daydreams is about the stars of an early 2000s TV show who implode spectacularly on live TV at the height of their fame and now it's 13 years later they've all gone in very different directions you know one of them has left Hollywood entirely one's a movie star one is a cautionary tale but they're forced to come back together again for a reunion special that could either offer them the redemption they so desperately need or destroy them all completely
0: (laughs) I love it. As I started, I was like, so is this like 90210? And I was like, no, because they're singing. So is this like High School Musical? Is that like, what are we basing this on? You know? It was a little inspired by High School Musical. I mean, I really wanted this
1: to fit like the stars of the show and the show itself to feel like it could have existed in the early 2000s alongside all the stuff that already did exist in the early 2000s. But, you know, that said, while doing research, I absolutely was taking inspiration from various shows and pop stars at the time.
0: That sounds like a really tough job having to research those. I feel really sorry for you. You know, it must have been really just tough to watch all of that.
1: It was brutal. It was brutal to have (laughs) to listen to all that amazing pop music. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And whenever anyone was like, are you sure you need to keep listening to this (laughs) year's album to be like, yeah, I'm positive. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's essential to my craft. It
1: is. (laughs) It is funny because I'd be like, oh, I'm going to do a little bit of research. So let me Google Jessica Simpson or whoever. And then I would just go down this rabbit hole. And a day later, I'd be like, I am the world's foremost expert on Jessica Simpson. (laughs)
0: gosh. Well, one thing you did with uh, the stars of the show, the show within the book, is Mm -hmm. you had them use their real names right in the show so that they almost couldn't escape. And it wasn't, it was almost like before this massive reality explosion. So it, it was almost like a trick to make watchers feel that they actually were getting to know the people. And so they felt much more invested when the show got taken off the air sort of very suddenly after this kiss or attempted kiss and all that.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The man who creates the show
0: has this brainwave after all these teenagers
1: are cast in it, you know, in 2003. Um, and is like, Oh, we're going to have, we're going to change all the character names to your real names. So the teens and the tweens watching like can't really separate out, you know, is summer in real life different from summer on the TV show and I think for the stars themselves it's great in a way because, you know, people get invested in them, but then it's also like they have to struggle with their own sense of self and they feel like they can't escape it and they're playing versions of themselves in a way but they also don't have any control over it because they're not writing the show.
0: It's like this much older man making them do stuff that they wouldn't. sort of it's it's kind of like a nightmare actually when you think about it. Like you're gonna go on TV with your real name and people are gonna assume everything you do is what you intend to do. It's it's almost like the what's that? Um the politician thing, you know, where they control the man- Manchurian candidate, you oh, know, and like yeah. they're completely controlled. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And I wanted to explore
1: how like so many young people that, you know, back in the early two thousands signed up for this. Cause they were like, Oh my God, fame, incredible. Why, why wouldn't you want fame? And then it's just so much more complicated and damaging than I think you expect when you're outside of it.
0: Yeah. Wait. So, but what was the initial spark? Like, was there one show you watched or one thing that you were like, yes, my next book is this? Well, I
1: will say that like for the longest time, I've just had this note on my computer reading Destiny's Child at the Super Bowl, because do you remember when Beyonce performed at the Super Bowl and she brought like the members of Destiny's yeah. Child back to do it with her? Yeah. Um, and for the longest time, I was like, oh, that must have been so weird for Kelly and Michelle because this one member of their band had gone on to anchor yeah. the Super Bowl. And, you know, they were doing their own thing, but it, I just felt like the dynamics must've been so interesting. So that was always in the back of my mind. Um, But then, yeah, over the past few years, I think I just got really into early 2000s pop culture in a way that a lot of us did because it was a scary destabilizing time and it felt familiar and comforting. But I was also noticing how so many of the big bright starlets at the time had really struggled in the years since. And this was around when Britney was gaining traction. And so I wanted to explore, like, why had these young women struggled in a way that perhaps their male counterparts had not? And if we were starting to acknowledge that perhaps we had treated them pretty terribly back in the day, like, Mm -hmm. what now? How do we move forward? How do they move forward? How do they forgive us? How do we forgive ourselves for our complicity in, like, gobbling up all the stories about their,
0: you know, quote-unquote breakdowns? Yeah. So that was the inspiration for the book. Also, you're a musician. So this is sort of like the road less traveled, you know, like what would have happened and maybe it wouldn't have been so great if you had become Britney Spears. So maybe it all worked out just fine. I
1: actually have been thinking about that a lot because yeah, I was a huge theater nerd growing up and, you know, being a teenager in the early 2000s, I think we were like bombarded a lot with this idea that like, ooh, if you went down to the mall, there was going to be a casting call from like Nickelodeon and Disney. And maybe you could become the next Amanda Bynes or yeah, Britney Spears or whoever. Um, And I always was like, I should go do that. But I was always too busy with homework and play practice and stuff like that. So I never did. But I did have one kind of close potential brush with fame. which was when I was a freshman in college, I went to this open casting call for this like very big Broadway show that was looking for teenagers. Dear Evan Hansen? No, no it was a spring awakening. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. Sorry. And I got like a few callbacks for the leading role. Oh my which, gosh. Yeah. Um, and I didn't end up get. I like totally bombed my final callback, but but I remember they like made me sign this thing that was like, The show is a little explicit. And I had to sign a piece of paper being like, I'm over 18 and I agree to like show my bare breasts on stage every night and like simulate sex. Oh my gosh. People. And, you know, at age 18, I was like, sign me up. I want to be famous. (laughs) (laughs) But so I I think sometimes about like the alternative life where I dropped out of college and was doing that. And, you know, who knows what it would have led to. But I, I'm pretty happy with my life right
0: now. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So crazy. I know. I feel like we could all write so many alternative narratives. Like, what if I had taken this path? What if I had done this? And I don't know. I just, I find that endlessly fascinating. I made my kids watch Sliding Doors the other day, which turns out was not totally appropriate, but it's fine. (laughs) 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 But I'm like, and also it was so dated. I hadn't watched it in forever. It's so dated it oh, really be, yeah, so, right? yeah. It, it, it's worth like a rewatch just for that
1: <laughs> okay you would recommend I
0: mean I remember loving that movie but also in the end being like what No yeah. spoilers yes <laughs> yeah it did have that kind of ending but just the notion that like every little thing you do changes the whole trajectory of your life
1: no catching <laughs> that train versus not catching that yeah
2: train.
0: <laughs> getting the role not getting the role yeah. um yeah all <laughs> of that a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's help, com slash moms don't have time. Yeah, and then your characters go on to have sort of alternative lives, and we enter the book sort of on the riding on the shoulders of a lawyer who's, like, trying to have a normal life. And, you know, her phone is blowing up and she's like, what is going on? And, and I love how she can totally hide and nobody even knows about this huge piece of her life, except okay. for, like, maybe some teen girls who are exactly the right age at the right time. Right, okay. because nobody expected her to, like, get out and become
1: this professional sort of uptight lawyer lady. Yeah,
0: so crazy. I mean, is there anyone who has starred in a show Who's become an, an uptight lawyer later. I can't even, you know, like, dude do, does that like going to law school and yeah, I don't, know, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. There must be somebody. There must somewhere. be somebody. We'll have to dig a little more.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like in terms of former teen and child stars, Mara Wilson is super interesting to me. Do you remember her from Matilda and Mrs. Doubtfire? Oh yeah. What happened to her? she's great she ended up going to like grad school and she does some writing and is like an interesting very thoughtful intelligent public figure at this point who i think has some really nuanced views on her child stardom (laughs) interesting
0: yeah also and maya bialik who when became a neurophys neuro whatever she is i don't even know she has like some crazy degree uh, astrophysicist i don't even know what she is but amazing (laughs) So she she went back on the education train. I was actually um Kelly Martin, do you remember her? She no. was in I can't remember what she was in now, but anyway, she went to she was in my college and we were in like an art history thing together and she'd like just been on TV and
1: Oh wow. Yeah.
0: She was a really big deal at the time. But this is of course you're probably too young because this was in the late 90s. So anyway, Mid to late nineties, I must admit. So (laughs) I'll look around. Um, so from your writing, it seems like you were having fun writing this book. Like, were you having fun writing this book? Oh, absolutely. Like it was
1: such a pleasure to live in this world and just imagine that I I was like a celebrity. (laughs) Um, and I developed, you know, so much love for all of these characters and really wanted them to succeed. And as you said earlier. The research part of it was like quite unstable. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, I do think like I wanted this book to be really fun and a page turner and juicy and delicious. But I wanted it to tackle some deeper issues and like get at, you know, the trauma that some of these people are dealing with and the sexism and the racism and like so many of the awful things that they had to go through at the time. And so, even while doing the research, there would be moments where I'd, you know, be watching an interview. For example, Britney Spears had done where she was just getting like torn apart and it it would be hard to watch. (laughs) Yeah. So while a lot of it was very fun, it wasn't all just like, (laughs) woohoo.
0: Interesting. Well, no, there's always like a bigger message to, to every story. So is this more cautionary tale? Like you're unborn child here, would you, uh, like, what would you say? Go down this path. Don't go down this path. You know, how do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough because I, I got so much enjoyment and community from doing theater growing up. And that's actually one thing that I wanted to show in the book is like, for all that the fame can be really awful and tough, like just, these people being together and making something and like making a show together is so joyful and it like fills you with adrenaline unlike anything else. So, you know, I think if my daughter was like, I want to be famous, I'd tell her like, you know, take the classes, do the plays, but we're not going to let you go to any professional auditions until you're 18.
0: (laughs) Got it. No signing away, topless. performances. (laughs) performances. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. I think it's so fascinating looking at like the, the Nepo baby discussion. Yes. Yes. All these famous parents talking about
0: whether or not they're going to let their kid do stuff or not. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also, I mean, I do kind of feel for them in a way. I mean, that, that is what they know. That's what they've seen. Those are the role models. Like right. that's the industry they know. Those are the people. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, I mean, you know, I grew up among like finance people and I was like, no thanks. But like that is what I knew. Do you know like that was that would have been the easier path if I had any aptitude in that area because yeah, I was so familiar with all the terminology and the people and the companies and I like understood it all. So ultimately that was totally not for me. But I could see if I actually Was enjoying it, and it was like, you know, the entertainment industry or something that was like glamorous. Yeah, should I not do it because my parents did it? Do you know what I mean? Like, and now they're not allowed to do it. Like, poor Jamie Lee Curtis had to be like, I'm like, you know, however old she is, like, I'm a nepo baby. You know what I mean? Like, she's she's standing on her own two feet at this point. You know, winning her own award. So, yeah,
1: I think that's the thing. There are so many nepo babies who are older, and we don't think of them as nepo babies because they've proven themselves. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, Drew Barrymore, Laura Dern, like, Mm -hmm. I don't think any of us would be like, Laura Dern does not deserve to be an actress. Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's sort of just like the ones
0: now need to prove themselves and some of them will and some of them won't. (laughs) Also, they might have a genetic aptitude for some of this. True, true. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyway, I don't know why I'm defending this. This is probably going to be... Anyway, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> just like musings, I don't really have a point of view on this. I'm just, uh, this is like. <laughs> right, we're developing
1: our, our stamp on Nepo Babies in real time. Yeah. Right don't,
0: don't quote me on this, please. <laughs> so, what are you working on now? Are you working on a new book? Yeah, I'm actually in revisions on the next book, which is
1: due in like a week and a half. So, And The Daydreams comes out in about a week and a half. Good timing. So, Thank you, editors. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a little bit more of a love story than I've written previously. I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say about it, but it's uh, loosely inspired by the time in real life when I had to walk down the aisle at a friend's wedding with a guy who had given my book one star in Goodreads.
0: <gasps> that is so awesome. I am <laughs> obsessed with that. I am obsessed with that. <laughs>
1: well, hopefully
0: 2024, you'll get to read it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm obsessed. That's hilarious. I actually have a novel coming out in 2024 also. You What yeah. is It <laughs> it's, comes out in March. It's called blank about a, a woman who's a writer and a mom in LA. And like, it takes place over five days where she cannot get this next book written in time and they're about to take back her advance. And so she decides to she has this unconventional solution to the problem. And meanwhile, she had almost finished writing a book and then was in the kitchen, getting a cup of coffee. And like the biggest deal author in the country was on the equivalent of GMA being like, I have the same exact book and the same title coming out. (laughs) And she's like, you've got to be kidding me. And she had to throw the whole thing away. So that's where it starts. And then, but it really, it's about friendship and motherhood and love and, you know, all of those good things. So
1: (sighs) That sounds so
0: good. It anyway, thank I, you. I don't know. Sorry for even pitching it. I don't think I've ever talked about this publicly. Certainly oh. not on my own podcast before, but I'm um, starting gearing up to promote. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm honored that I get to be the first
1: <laughs> on air of <up> the pitch.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to deal with that? But.
1: Scary. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, it's the thing that, like, you don't really have anything going on in your life, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. I'm literally going to have to, like, change something because I'm up. I mean, I, all of us are, like, working so hard to, like, do all the things we're doing. I mean, it's a lot. And also, all your other books, you know, and keeping those up. And, you know, it's like juggling. And then you throw one more ball up there, you know, without having to stop.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never been good at
0: real life juggling. <laughs> yeah. But, Yeah. Learning how to do it. The hypothetical juggling. I actually used to, I took a juggling class um, at my school. They had these like electives. I went to an all-girls school until ninth grade and we would have these activities with the boys school and we had to like pick these fun things like juggling or calligraphy was one of them or like, I don't know, all these random things. And the boys would like come to our school. I haven't thought about this in so long. Anyway, I picked juggling and I got really good at it. (laughs) And we were doing all these tricks where like we would juggle and like throw to the other person and like we would have all these (laughs) things going on. But This is like in fifth grade. So it's been a while now. I don't think I have these skills anymore. But but anyway, I'm just considering you juggling like Seven balls at a time while also discovering <laughs> your feelings towards the opposite sex. Totally. I was so mortified. I was like always blushing and like, oh my God, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably remembering that whole thing wrong, but in my head, that is what happened. We were in like the ballet room. And anyway. Maybe it's like riding a bike and you could pick it up, like if you maybe. Like, have... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Who knows what comes out in these conversations, but um, <laughs>
1: Okay, any advice for aspiring authors? Yeah, I mean, I would say one thing that has really helped me is finding a writing community. You know, I have a online writers' group. We meet on Zoom every few weeks and trade pages and give feedback. And they're all so wonderful and thoughtful. and it it just really helps me stay motivated. I could not have written the daydreams without them, for example. So if you can find your people that way, I know that there are like Facebook groups for finding people. Hannah Orenstein runs one. uh, Writers. Yeah, I recommend finding, finding your group of writers if you can. And also just accepting that a first draft of anything is going to be horrible.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's okay because that's what revisions are for. How much better do you get it before you even hand it into your editor? (laughs)
1: for me at this point I think I'll you know churn out the totally garbage first draft and then I'll clean it up I'll do like one revision of it before sending it to my editor but you know I'm lucky that I've worked with the same editor now on three books so I think we have like a trusting relationship and she's willing to see stuff a little earlier on but like with the daydreams for example I I knew that I loved the idea from the very beginning and I thought it had potential to be the best thing I'd written but when I finished the first draft of it it was like oh god this is so far from what it could be <laughs> I think in between the first and second drafts I had to rewrite a full quarter if not third of it <laughs> so
0: wow well that is good advice and inspiring and uh, you also have like the coolest cover ever I have to say don't you love it? I love yes. it so much. I'm
1: obsessed with it. It's so
0: great. Yeah. My husband it was on my desk and my husband was like, oh my God, that looks amazing. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's an amazing cover. Yeah. Amazing. And a great book. So there you go. Perfect match. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: I I think you can judge this book by its cover. Yes. <laughs> this cover
0: really like captures captures the vibe of it. I think we better just throw out that expression. in today's marketing world of books. But anyway, well, thanks, Laura. It's always so much fun to talk to you and congratulations on your pregnancy. I hope everything goes well. And, you know, I can't wait for the next book. That sounds so up my alley. I cannot wait. (laughs) Thank you, Ziby. It's been such a pleasure getting to talk to you again. You too. Okay. All right. Bye, Laura. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.